I didn't care what anybody thought. And tears streamed down my eyes and my face. And I gave my life to Jesus and invited him to be the Lord of my life. And literally, I walked out of that locker room a different person than I walked in. Today on First Person, you'll meet pastor and author Herbert Cooper of the People's Church in Oklahoma City. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we'll begin today's conversation in just a moment. Each week's program has been archived on our website, so you can listen anytime. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com. You'll also find a schedule of upcoming programs there online as well, and more about today's guest. That's firstpersoninterview.com. And then if you have yet to like our Facebook page, I hope you'll visit us soon. On Facebook, you can read the comments of other listeners and even leave your own feedback right there online. So go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Once again, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, Herbert Cooper's start in life was a rough one. As you'll hear, his was not a normal childhood. Looking back on his life now, he says, But God changed everything. And that's the title of his book, telling his story, But God. We spoke on the phone recently, and he told me his story. I grew up in a a little small town in Oklahoma called Rewoka, Oklahoma, a town of about four or five thousand people. And I grew up in a in a dysfunctional home where there was a lot of chaos and addiction to alcohol, and uh, my mom and dad did not have the the greatest relationship and. Uh, at the age of 13, uh, just with the chaos and all that was going on, it kind of uh, went to another level. I was sexually abused by a, a lady. Um, it was not my mother, but uh, that abuse occurred for several months in my life. And um, when that ended, um, I kind of began to spiral out of control and sexual sin and dabbling in pornography. Uh, chasing the girls, and um, the next thing you know, my my junior year of high school, my my dad and mom split up, and I'll never forget loading down my mom's car, and my brother and sister decided to go with my mom. I decided to stay back home. Uh, I was pursuing football scholarship, and I was a mama's boy close to mom, and uh, cooked for us, washed her clothes, talked with us. I uh, was just always there for us, uh, but I loaded down the car with my brother and sister, hugged my mom, brother and sister goodbye, and they headed and moved to Rochester, New York, and I stayed back and as, as an abused, addicted teenage boy and was there to tell my dad the, the news when he arrived back home that uh, my mom and brother and sister had left for Rochester, New York. Oh, that fell on uh, your were, shoulders to have to tell your dad. That that fell on my shoulders. I have to tell my dad that was uh, that was quite the conversation, and then my dad cried for one of the first times and that I can recall in growing up, and I had to grow up quick then and uh, learn how to fend for myself and cook some and wash my clothes and get myself up on time in school. And I remember it was the it was the fall. It was a late fall when that happened. And Christmas was a month or so later, and. I'll never forget just Christmas morning waking up with tears in my eyes, holding my pillow, um, wondering if life was worth living. Uh, the people that I loved the most no longer there. 
Um, and I began just to really spiral out of control in so many ways. Not only was I uh, chasing the girls and engaging in sex outside of marriage, and I really began just to have really just anger issues. And Well, let me take you back on that issue, uh, Herbert, sure. because you said you were 13 sure. when you were molested by this woman. It, it went on for some time, did it? It went on for four or five months or so. But in your book, you, you say you finally just turned to her and said, stop, no more, right? It was one of those things where I was confused. Um, I think you're, you're struggling at the age of 13. Of, is this right? Is it wrong? Is it okay? In my heart, in my life, I just knew I don't want to, I don't like what's happening. Uh, I didn't like uh, the way I was being treated. And I was just fed up of it, the threats. And I just, one day just said, I'm done. It's over. Leave me alone. Mm. Uh, she threatened me again. I just said, leave me alone. And thank God that she did. And the abuse stopped then. But she and did threaten to tell your parents. She she threatened me. She did. She she threatened me. And, of course, at the time, you don't, you're not thinking clearly, so you don't really realize that uh, that her threat's not going to go anywhere. At the time, I just... Well, tell them if you if, if if that's what you want to do, but just leave me alone. And wow, you took a stand. And I, obviously, now I can look back and realize that she wasn't going to tell my parents. Right, but a thirteen-year-old kid. Oh my goodness! But do you trace this this anger and the spinning out of control? Then, as a teenager, do you trace that to being molested like that? I would say I trace a great deal of it to uh, to being molested, and also just some of the dysfunction in, in our home. And so I think those two coupled together just led me down a road of of looking and looking for love in the wrong places mm-hmm. and anger and looking for affirmation in the wrong places. And there's no doubt that those two coupled together sent me down a road of down a path that was destructive. So that characterized most of your teenage years in high school? It did. That, that, that characterized most of my teenage years in high school of, of living wild and chasing the girls and uh, being a jock, trying to be cool and uh, pretend I had it all together, though I was hurting on the inside, struggling on the inside. Uh, but yet I was an athlete and was popular. So on the outside, things were looking good. And yet on the inside and behind closed doors, things weren't going too well on the inside of Herbert Cooper, his heart in my life. What were you saying to yourself? Did you really deep down know that it was empty, or were you just having too much fun? You know, I say a little of both. I was having, I was having what I thought was fun, and yet I, I can clearly recall, even to this day, I can recall being with a young lady and, and, and saying to myself and, and to this young lady, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life living like this. Hmm. There was something inside of me that was just empty. I just knew I didn't. I didn't, didn't didn't know Christ then, wasn't serving Jesus then. I just knew, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to spend the rest of my life living the way that I'm living. So yeah. there was no doubt an emptiness on the inside. So the Spirit was beginning to work through your conscience then? There was no doubt. I can look back now and know that the Holy Spirit, as the Scripture says, no one can come to, to the Father unless He's drawn, and the Holy Spirit draws them and brings them to Christ. And so the Holy Spirit was definitely drawing me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. When did the change happen then? When, when did you first hear about Christ and, 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 uh, and it changed your life? And I want to talk about that. But when did that first begin? I loved football and was an athlete playing football in high school. And I had a, 
a coach that was a follower of Christ, and there was a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting that was going to be held at the football locker room. Uh, the football team was all invited, and I wasn't planning on going. I actually had a recruit coming down from the East Coast to recruit me to play college football, and so the, the dream that I had was going to come to pass it looked like, and I stayed back to play football, and so I was excited about that. And uh, the recruit called me and said, I'm in Oklahoma City, and I can't make it till we woke up tonight, but I'll be there uh, the next day and pull you out of school. And so I was a little bummed, and my Thursday evening was free now, and I was a little frustrated by the fact, man, I, my dad and I were waiting for the recruit to come and spend some time with us at our home. And and so that those plans fell apart. And I remembered the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting and I really had no interest in going to that. And I didn't care about Christ or God or anything to do with the gospel, but they were serving free pizza that night. <laughs> and so a little free pizza <laughs> can make uh, old Herbert Cooper come out. And so... <laughs> That night, because of the free pizza, I went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting and went there and pulled up in my little Nissan Datsun pickup with the bass pumping out the window, and I was too cool for school, and pulled up to the We Woke Up Football locker room and walked in in there with my little swag as I had it going on. I thought I was popular and cool, a captain of the football team, kind of hardcore, and walked into the locker room and got my pizza, ate my pizza, talked to the guys. And that night, the kicker for the – with the former kicker for the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, Todd Thompson was there that night and sat on the football locker room with all the other football players. And Todd began uh, to share the message of Jesus Christ and just sat in the chair and just talked calmly about Christ and the hope that was in him and the forgiveness that was in him and that he had a plan and purpose for our life. And that night in that locker room, the way I describe it is the title of my book is But God Changes Everything. And that night I had a But God moment. I walked in there addicted, bitter, bound, angry, confused. I had no intention of giving my life to Christ. And that night in that football locker room as a captain of the football team, a senior being recruited to play college football, I didn't care what anybody thought. And tears streamed down my eyes and my face. And I gave my life to Jesus and invited him to be the Lord of my life. And literally everything uh, began to change in my life. I, I walked out of that place, that locker room, a different person than I walked in. There's more to this man's story. Herbert Cooper joins us and you'll hear the rest coming up today on First Person. In cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, we're now producing the daily radio program FEBC Today with Ed Cannon. When you click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com or the banner on our new iPhone iPad app for First Person, you'll learn more about what you can do to assist FEBC in taking Christ to the world through radio and new technology. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com or download the First Person smartphone app today. My guest today is Herbert Cooper. Herbert is senior pastor of the People's Church, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-site church in Oklahoma City. He's also the author of a book that caught my attention. It's called But God, 
subtitled Changes Everything. So you got to take that together. But God changes everything, and he certainly did in Herbert's life. What an exciting testimony, Herbert. Now, pick up the story. Did you, uh, I mean, were you transformed spiritually immediately, uh, or did it take some time to kind of rid yourself of all that prior lifestyle you had? You know, I would say it was it was both. There was no doubt a but God moment in transformation. I I left that football locker room and I made the decision just as the Holy Spirit has had worked and was working in my life and I threw away all my, my tapes. I broke them up. Of course, some people may not know what tapes are. We're not talking CDs or DVDs, but these were cassette tapes and I broke up though that, that filthy music I was listening to I start going to church. I got baptized in water the next Sunday. I got in a small group. Well, you were serious I, about but, this, weren't you? I, it was a but God changes everything moment. I started carrying my Bible to school. I was a radical. I was on fire. Carried my Bible everywhere. Well, what did all your cohorts say about this? All those people who knew what you were like before. Oh, I, I, they knew something was happening crazy with Herbert. It just what happened to Herbert because. I quit hanging out with the friends I was hanging out with. I quit chasing the girls. It was a literal 180 in my life. And and so henceforth the title, But God Changes Everything, because that was kind of, that was my story. It's, I was on a whole path that was going the wrong way of destruction. And literally that football moment that, that, in that football locker room, everything changed, and I went a total different direction after that encounter with Christ. All right. I'm curious, though, did football ever come into play there? You know, uh, yes, I ended up getting a football scholarship and went to the state of Arkansas my, my freshman year and played college ball. And then I, from then, I felt the Lord was calling me into full-time ministry. And it, I'll never forget telling my dad that I was, felt like the Lord was calling me into full-time ministry and I needed to go and leave my football scholarship to pursue a, a degree in the Bible. And Dad said, "Son, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus right there on that campus. You better stay there and keep your football scholarship." But I, I felt the Lord was calling me, and but I left God. my scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> but God, there was another. It, it was another but God moment in in my life, and I left that scholarship. Ended up uh, playing football again at a at a university where I got a biblical studies degree and a minor in psychology. But no fo- football has played a role in my journey and my discipleship and my growth in in, in Christ. When did Tiffany come into your life? Yes, we met at uh, Evangel. It's called Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. And I was a senior, and she was a freshman in college. And I was a football player, and she was a cheerleader. And uh, we met there at Evangel, and we were both uh, on fire for Jesus and living for Jesus. And her roommate told her about me, and we met, and that's where... I met the love of my life is right there at Evangel as I was playing football and she was a cheerleader. What an all-American story. <laughs> <laughs> and God has blessed you with children now, and now you pastor this church. Talk to me about your life and ministry today, Herbert. Yes. Um, I, I felt, as I said, my freshman year of college, felt like the Lord had called me into ministry and pursued a Bible degree and got, accomplished that and Thank God for that. And then I started traveling full-time. While my wife was finishing up her college degree, I traveled across America and the world preaching youth camps and conventions and different churches. And then it was another but-God moment in my life where I I felt like the Lord was calling Tiffany and I to start a a church. And I was, at the time, 25, and Tiffany was 23. 
but what was calling us to start a church and uh, ended up moving to Oklahoma City after a series of events and started a church called People's Church uh, on Mother's Day back in 2002. We started with 65 people in a movie theater, and I always say that that number's a little inflated because on your grand opening, uh, your cousins come and your aunts come, and <laughs> they don't come back. They don't come back the next Sunday, though. They don't come back the next. <laughs> so, but we started a church called People's Church with the vision to reach people who are far from Christ and uh, to see their life transformed. Because that was my story that I believe that, but God can change the hardest person, the, the person in the most difficult circumstances and challenges of life, a person facing addictions, that God can come in and He can bring transformation. And so we started it with that heart in mind, and it's still our mission today. And, uh, with the Lord's help, we've been able to reach thousands of people and uh, have multiple locations, and actually starting our first location out of state this year in Indianapolis, Indiana, in August. So it has been a wonderful journey of seeing God raise up a church that's a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, and a multi-site church. As you pastor people, I know you encounter all kinds of life situations, all kinds of sin, all kinds of things that people get involved in, but you can say, I've been there, but God can change you. I mean, that has to be your message to them. It is a, 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 a my life message. I the, the book, this the first book that I've written, But God Changes Everything, it's my life message, and it's the, the theme and message and thrust of our ministry, that God can step in, and you can have an Apostle Paul, at the time, Saul a moment, and God can step in the middle of your situation, and you're going to persecute Christians, you have no intention of serving Jesus, and he can step in and give you a But God moment that can change your life. You may have made mistakes like Moses, <laughs> you know, killed the person, and you're on the backside of the desert in your life, and you feel like it's hopeless, you're insecure, could God ever use me? And God can give you a burning bush experience, a but God moment that changes the entire trajectory of your life. So it is a, uh, a theme that's reoccurring over and over and over in my teaching, uh, in, in our ministry, and just kind of the heartbeat and thrust that God can step in and bring transformation no matter how difficult uh, life may be. You describe your church as a multi-ethnic, multi-generational uh, church. What are the challenges of pastoring a church like that? Yes, it, it has its own unique challenges. Uh, well, some, some would be you're, you're bringing in different cultures together, uh, different ethnicities together, and so uh, there's uh, oftentimes there's prejudgment of what maybe a certain people group is like, and so you're able to minister and help to see walls come down, but no doubt there's there's challenges. I can remember receiving a letter from a lady who said to me, I thought this particular color of skin was just like this, and now that I've been in their home in a small group and been able to hang out in fellowship, I have a whole different uh, thought process about them. The people come in with their style of music, and when you're a multi-ethnic church and you have a a different brand or blend of music. It's maybe contemporary rock, and some may be gospel, some may be urban, and you're kind of combining it together in a worship experience. Uh, that presents its own unique challenges to say, we're going to be a place where everybody can come and connect with God. And though this may be the style you would listen to all the time, we're going to kind of have a conglomeration and, and include everybody in, in this worship experience. And so uh, no doubt there's some unique challenges, but also it's beautiful because we know that heaven is going to be uh, 
every nation, every tongue, every tribe uh, worshiping the name of Jesus. So I feel like we have a little bit of of heaven on earth. Herbert, I have to ask you as well about accountability for any pastor. Uh, Accountability is so important. How do you guard your your character and your conduct as a pastor, and who do you have around you to help with that? No, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I have, first of all, a, a great board of directors that uh, that hold me accountable and uh, in my life, and then I have an um, accountability partner that I talk with and uh, that I'm very transparent with. I actually have a couple of great men in my life that I'm just very transparent and open to. And uh, also with my, my lovely wife, we have just certain uh, criteria and boundaries. Um, I'm not alone with the opposite sex. She's not either. Uh, I rarely have ever traveled alone. Uh, usually my wife or uh, one of my children or one of our male staff members travels with me, and that provides a great accountability. I don't have uh, the Internet on my phone, my choice just from my past history, I've just decided, you know what, it's just not something that I have to have in need. So there is no internet on my phone. And so that, I've just taken a number of precautions to uh, to run the race for the long haul. That's my goal is to honor Jesus, uh, to honor his name. And the scripture says, if you think you're standing firm in First Corinthians 10, be careful lest you fall. There's no temptation that sees us, but that which is common to man. But God always provides a way out. And so I want to take that scripture to heart. I want to be careful and put the boundaries in place, not because I'm legalistic, but because I want to please Jesus, love him and honor his name and honor my wife and children all the days of my life. We have just a few seconds left, but for that person listening today, who's trapped in sin, who's living where you once lived, speak to that person uh, heart to heart right now. I would, I would just say I've been there. I've been trapped. I've been bound. I've been abused. Um, I should be a statistic, but God. Uh, I should be in prison today, but God. I should be divorced today, but God. I should be bitter today, but God changes everything. And I would simply say to you, no matter how dark life may seem, no matter the addiction you may be facing, no matter the struggles that you may be in, there's a God in heaven that loves you, that cares for you, that sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins, and not only did he die for your sins, but he rose again, not just to forgive you, but to set you free. And I can tell you, no matter what you're facing in life, I know this to be true with all of our heart, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and the power of Jesus Christ is real. And I'd encourage you to turn to him, invite him into your heart, into your situation, and allow him to begin to work his transformation power in your life. He's real. And he will set you free if you look to him. But God changes everything. Herbert Cooper's life is yet another testimony of that truth, as we've heard today. His book, But God, has been released, and we've placed a link for more information at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Just click on that link to learn more about today's guest, his book, and his church. To leave a comment regarding what you've heard today, use our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. First Person is produced in association with the Far East Broadcasting Company. If you have a desire to see the gospel proclaimed in many of the hard-to-reach places of the world, please visit us at firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC to learn more about using radio to reach people with God's Word in their own language. Next week, our guest will include Alex Kendrick, the director of the new movie, The War Room. This latest from the Kendrick Brothers will be released in theaters in August. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.